when I go fishing, like I can literally go like seven hours without looking at my phone because I'm just focused on like what's going on or like, you know, if I'm on a boat, it's like beautiful and there's always something going on. And like that is so important to me, like the digital detox, because, you know, my when I'm not doing something like that, I'm literally on my phone all the time because it's like getting messages on Instagram, checking email. I'm like, you know, doing all this stuff. And it's like, it's getting worse, to be honest, like just how much I'm on my phone. So to be able to have an activity that like, I don't do that at all is like amazing. Welcome to Elevated Frequencies, the show that gives you access to the next level of house and techno so you can explore an elevated lifestyle. Can I be completely honest? I suck at digitally detoxing. Um, I'm on my phone 24-7. I started my professional career as a journalist, and I literally had it attached to my face at all times. First thing when I woke up, last thing before I went to bed. I know I'm not alone. I think a lot of us are guilty of this. I've recently tried to try to incorporate not waking up and going on my phone first thing in the morning and actually starting my morning with like a low dopamine activity. So folding laundry or doing some sort of chore, like stretching. I'm getting better about it, but it's definitely not like 100% incorporated into my lifestyle. That's why I am so like in awe of people who are able to do this and just put their phones down for hours and not look at them. Um, And that's exactly what I'm talking to West End about today. We are talking about why it's so important, right, to do that, especially when you have a career where you have to be on the computer all the time, production, making music. I think that applies to to a lot of us in in whatever career that you're in. We're on our phones, on our computers 24-7. So we're talking about the digital detox, and we're also bringing it back to the 90s, We're getting into some nostalgia, talking about, you know, growing up as kids without the technology. And we had some conversations about like throwback, like music, Scooby-Doo fruit snacks, all those things we loved as a kid and how that nostalgia and that feeling that you got, you know, of remembering what it was like when life was simpler is so important to just for your mental health, right? Not just your creativity, not just for your productiveness, but for your mental health. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation with West End as much as I had having it. West End, a.k.a. Tyler, a.k.a. West End, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to do this. Yeah. Tell me, uh, where are you coming from? Are you in New York right now? Yes, I'm in uh, New York. I live in a neighborhood called Long Island City. Um, So I don't know how familiar you are with New York, but it's in Queens, kind of like right across from Manhattan, right across from the East River. Um, and yeah, this is home base for me. Yeah, I know it well, actually. My husband was born in West Hempstead. I think that's pretty Long somewhat Island. close. Yeah, it's Long Island. Long Island City is different than Long Island. Right? Yes. Yeah. People get confused all the time. So Long Island City is yeah. like literally right next to Manhattan. It's like yeah, the yeah. closest you can get in Queens. Long Island kind of starts right when you're, you know, Queens goes pretty far out onto this island and then there's Long Island and you have like tons of different towns. So West Hempstead, I, I, that sounds familiar from the train rides and stuff. Yeah, right. I've taken yeah. the Long Island Railroad. It's a long yeah. journey when you're going out in Manhattan, and then you got to take it when we took it back to stay with his family. I was like, 
damn. Dr- yeah, I, drunk people on the train. That's a whole experience mm-hmm. I'd never really experienced because, you know, I've always li- – I was born in New York. And so um, I would go out to Long Island because my family had a house near Montauk. So, like, all mm-hmm. the way at the, at the end of the island. So, we would take, like, the train ride out there. But, uh, you know, people would kind of go party in Manhattan, come back yeah. out. I love Montauk. It's a beautiful area. Yeah, I it's love like it. uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like everybody goes to the Hamptons, right? So then, when I went out there for the first time, I was like, "Let's do Montauk instead," because they're like, they're like across from each other, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so Montauk is like the total tip of Long Island. It's like yeah, the most okay. eastern you can get in New York, and then the Hamptons are like the towns that are like right before it. So like Montauk's yeah. the last one. It's definitely a different vibe um, than the Hamptons. Like the Hamptons is very much like. Uh, kind of like you know what you think about when you hear the hamptons like very luxurious kind of old money vibe and like montauk's always been like more of like a surfer kind of fishing town which is why i love it because i do a lot of fishing there but like i would say in the last like 15 to 20 years like it's gotten very popular where it's like you know if you want to stay a night in a hotel in montauk in the summer it's like you know 700 dollars. it's like crazy expensive yeah totally okay so you kind of are jumping ahead when you mention fish because I have in my notes fish guy <laughs> like circled and starred and arrows pointing to it. That means my brand, my my marketing, my branding is working. It's that, spot that's, on. that's my goal. I want people to be like, he's the fish. Man. That's the fish guy. I love that. Okay, so I talk to other creatives about this all the time. We all have endeavors, right, outside of what we do in the creative space. I think that is kind of like keeps us sane. You know, I talked to Will yesterday and his thing is like food and podcasting. Will Clark. Will Clark. Yeah. He has all these different ventures, right? That he kind of delves into to take him away from music. And I have my thing. So I'm assuming fishing is one of your things. Yeah. I think it's like, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, if you're able to turn your passion into your dream career, kind of, which like I was able to do with music and producing and DJing, um, you still like kind of need something that's not work that you're really passionate about. Um, because as much as you love what you do and like, I, you know, I love my job. There's, there's parts of it that is work and you need something that in your life you can like go to. That's like a true escape, I guess, from like the stresses um, of, of, you know, whatever you're doing for your career. And so, yeah, fishing is that for me. I kind of got into it as a kid My dad got me into it mostly because we were in Long Island and there's really great, you know, we would go out to this town called Amagansett. It's really the last one before Montauk. It's kind of in East Hampton. Um, But we would, my grandma bought a house there when I was like 94 when I was born. And I would do a lot of fishing out there during the summers. Um, And I really loved it as a kid. And then as like a teenager, you know, I was like living in New York City and, you know, I I just wanted to party and like socialize and stuff. So like fishing wasn't like that cool to me anymore. I kind of stopped. And then it wasn't really until like the end of college and kind of like right when I graduated school uh, that I got back into it. Um, And I was like, wow, I really love this. And, you know, kind of like I I watched a lot of like fishing content creators on YouTube and, you know, I still watch that all the time. Like it's it's relaxing to me. Yeah. you know, it's a whole sport. It's, it's really fun. It's, you know, for me, it's like the best thing about it is like when I go fishing, like I can literally go like seven hours without looking at my phone because I'm just focused on like what's going mm-hmm. on or like, you know, if I'm on a boat, it's like beautiful and there's always something going on. And like that is so important to me, like the digital detox, because, you know, my 
when I'm not doing something like that, I'm literally on my phone all the time because it's like getting messages on Instagram, checking email. Right. I'm like, you know, doing all this stuff. And it's like, it's getting worse, to be honest, like just how much I'm on my phone. So to be able to have an activity that like I don't do that at all is like amazing for me. 100%. And you said something, you reconnected basically with what you loved as a kid. And I'm a huge believer in that, that reconnecting with your inner child literally helps you be successful in the modern day. And for me, believe it or not, it's like $15 crafts I get on Amazon, right? Like I'll make some like, like, do you remember shrinky dinks? I think I'm a little bit older than you, but have you heard it? What is it? Shrinky dinks were like these things where you like cut out a shape and you color it and then you put it in the oven and it comes out like a hard glassy like oh was it like did did it have like a cross section kind of like almost like clay it did it did well there was clay and then there was like it was like paper like literally paper and it would turn into like hard plastic and so this was like an early 90s thing maybe yeah yeah it was you said you were born in 94 i was born in 94 yeah okay i'm I'm not that terrible with names it sounds familiar i think if i saw it or like the infomercial if you saw the like those old school infomercials so I randomly, like the other month, just bought them on Amazon. And I was like, and I turned off my phone and I put on music and I made fucking trinket takes. And I was like, wait, this is really helping my creative process and other things. Because like you said, it's that digital detox yeah. of just getting back into something that you enjoyed as a kid. And I think that can like th- open new pathways in your brain. Yeah, I think especially like uh, when we were kids because of, you know, what generation we came from, you know, I think the the interest we had, like, it feels like, I mean, I'm sure this is for like any child, but it's like a lot more pure, like you're not really like uh, basing what you enjoy, like kind of like on, you know, what you may think is cool or like social expectations as much. It's more of like, you know, this is like what you were doing. And uh, I don't know, I don't know really anything about like child psychology, Um but yeah, me. You know, but it, it it would make sense to me that like the stuff you know that your brain is like kind of like you know the pathways are establishing when you're a kid and like creating like enjoyment from like these activities have long lasting you know implications in your life and it's like to go back to it it's like the same and I, for fishing for me it's like it never gets old like the you know the feeling of it the excitement about it like. Uh, I, it feels like it did when I was like younger and it was like the night before we were going on like a boat trip and it's like, I was, you know, jittery. Cause I was like so excited. It's like, I still kind of get that. So I totally see what you mean about like reconnecting with that stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing I mean, for me. I was born in 92. So same generation, we had cameras, but we didn't have the camera. Like we weren't capturing everything that we do now. So a lot yeah. of what we remember is literally from recall of our memory of like, this is how it looked. This is how the ocean smelled. This is what I felt. And it's really nice to be able to jump back into that and just like, I don't know, it's, it's therapeutic. I, I keep getting these, uh, like TikTok. Um, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but like, yes. uh, the, okay. So like, there's like the slideshows where they'll put like a yeah. song and like you swipe mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. and it's like all these like nineties nostalgia stuff where it's yeah, like, same. it has like that retro song. And then it's like, just like all these like food products and stuff from a kid. And you're like, I literally haven't like thought about that. Like, uh, one of them was on it was like the Scooby-Doo snacks yeah, where it was yeah. like the gummy candies and stuff. I was like, look, but it's crazy how like your brain, like as you all, you know, it could be a smell, it could be a, an image or, or sound or something. And it's like you instantly get like kind of teleported back to that period in time. It's really cool. 
It is really cool. And uh, I think that's why so many artists are doing that with music too. Like, I think we're kind of out of the era of like, there was a, it's still going on, like where 90s and 2000s remixes were so big. But for us millennials, like that was, I don't know. That's like great nostalgia. Yeah, I think it's like, it's when you look at like the the kind of house music scene, because like that's all I can really speak out, speak on is like, uh, you know house and tech house yeah there was definitely a big like 90s kind of revival and i i still think that's the case um of like 90s rave and like especially a lot of like european like trance 90s like mm-hmm. calvin harris's new song miracle is very like trance influenced um and i think it's it's kind of funny because it's like now we're in 2023 and like the stuff that was big like 12 years ago 10 years ago it's kind of like a throwback now and it's kind of like has that cool vibe where like if you did that remix of something like what one song that like Fisher and um, Chris played and like their Coachella set was uh, somebody that I used to know. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. How do you pronounce the artist's name? Go- Godie? Go- Godier or something? Godier or something? I don't know. But like that. What was that? Like 2010 or 11 or something? I think. Or later. No, it was 11, 11 or 12. You're right. Yeah. It was like, it was like something it was around that. I was then. in college. Yeah. 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 It was like, yeah, late high school for me, early college. And, uh, you know, like that kind of remix. Like if you did it like five years ago, it's kind of like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, it's kind of like it, we're moving forward in the timeline. Um, it's just crazy to me because I'm like, wow, time's going by so fast. But right. People always look back for stuff. It's, you know. Yeah. So let's talk about, about you and, and your music. Your name comes from where you grew up, right? That's that's what inspired it. Yeah. it's the So I grew up on, uh, in Manhattan um, and a neighborhood called the Upper West Side. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, if you if you know Manhattan, there's Central Park kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. You have the mm-hmm. east side on the east mm-hmm. and the west side. And then there's another park all the way on the west side on the Hudson River called Riverside Park. And there's like an avenue that runs down there called West End. So I pretty much like lived in a building there, um, you know, growing up and like when I kind of chose the name West End. Because I had a few like other artist projects before, like one was a duo. Uh, you know, I had when I first started, it was just like DJ Tyler Morris. Um, but I kind of like needed a name quickly for something. And I, I really liked just the word West End. And I was like, you know, it's tied to me. It's like where I'm from. It's this avenue I've like always kind of grew up, grown up on and embraced. But yeah, that's the that's the story behind the name. That's really cool. And, you know, me being from Chicago and I live in Chicago, there's so much to be said about the Chicago sound. And then there's also the New York sound. And so how has really, I mean, I think it's pretty unique to grow up in New York, a lot of people are transplants, just like they're here in Chicago. So there's got to be like a sense of pride that comes with that just as a person and as an artist as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I can't speak to growing up anywhere else because this is where I grew up. But like, uh, I think growing up in New York City, um, it's probably one of the like most unique places you can grow up just because like of how urban it is. And like, just like the things you do as a kid. You know, it's not like you live in a house and you have a backyard. It's like you're kind of, I was taking the subway at like in sixth grade and, you know, you know, you, you're kind of like in thrown in the city and you're traveling around and, you know, it's, uh, it's really unique, but, um, the sound of New York. So I got, I kind of got into electronic music in the middle of high school. So when I was like 15 or so, and, um, at the time, like artists that were really popular, it was kind of like the Blockhouse era. So it was like artists like Justice, uh, Bloody Beat Roots, Mastercraft, um, you know, Daft Punk was already kind of 
you know, big at that point, but you know, that, that was like kind of like the scene I got into and like there was a venue called terminal five, which is, uh, it was close to where I grew up and, uh, destructo used to throw a lot of parties there hard. So it would be like, uh, before hard was kind of acquired by insomniac. They would do like, that's kind of where I would like go to my first shows. I never actually never been to a concert before an electronic music show. Like I'd never seen like, you know, and like, Who's the band? Uh, Green Day, for example. Like all my friends would go see Green Day. And never. Ne- I really never. Well, I've never been to a concert before, like a rave. That was like my first like okay. music experience live because like my family was not really like they never took me to like a show and like I would just like listen to music at home pretty much. Mm-hmm. So like that that was my first experience like just getting into live music was like in New York and I remember I went to Electric Zoo Festival in like yeah. 2011 and. That was like, whoa, this is like crazy because I'd never been to a wow. festival before. Um, but yeah, I would say that sound kind of and like that era of music like really influenced me. I wasn't at that point, I wasn't like super into like house music specifically. It was more of kind of um, this kind of electro house sound. And mm-hmm. I really got into like progressive house and like what was going on in Europe. Like I love like Dutch house music, Afrojack. Like like, I was going to say like Bass Hunter. <laughs> I did actually. So Bass Hunter, I liked before this, like when I was like in middle school. Yeah. I would listen to like, I would listen to Bass Hunter on like YouTube. Yeah. um, I saw him. I saw him. I know. I still can't believe it. That was like a deep buried memory. (laughs) There was this club called Zero Gravity. It was like a teen club. Yeah. I think it was like 16 to 20 or something like that, which was a little weird. But uh, he performed live there. I think it was like a foam party or something like that. So... That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that was actually like I I had listened to electronic music before that, but I didn't really understand what it was or anything, mm-hmm. and I wasn't like obsessed with it. Um, it wasn't until I discovered Justice where I was like, I remember I torrented that album and like listened to it over and over again, and that's when I was like, oh, this is cool. Like this is gonna be my thing. Like this is what I want to do. Um, but yeah, Do- Dota and stuff, like all those bass hunter songs, they all sound the same kind of, they but do. they're they, really good. I don't know the technical term, but they do sound the same, just with different. And then he released them in what language? What? It's like Swedish, Swedish. I think. He released it like in his native language and then in English too. So there's like two versions yeah. of every song. It's, it's so funny because like I used to play like games that are similar to Dota because Dota's like, it was like a starcraft kind of I, I forgot how it works exactly but like he he used samples in the song like in the breaks i don't remember if, if you can remember but it's like fight or something like that he like yeah. used like these like character sounds i think in it um super nerdy shit but like that was like huge you know and that kind of sound is like really popular again that kind of like bouncy yeah um melodic yeah. type sound that's so funny okay um I'm going to put myself, (laughs) no, no. I mean, this is good. This is what this podcast is all about because it's, it's interesting to see, like to go down these rabbit holes of music Yeah. because it just like, we've been talking about it, like unlocks memories. I, I want your opinion on something. You might judge me. You don't know me well enough. We've, we've known each other for a very short time. 20 minutes. (laughs) But, um, I, it's so funny because I'm like a, you know, purist house, tech house, how, Pretty much everything that's not super bassy. I don't. I don't really listen to dubstep any of that. But yeah. my introduction into electronic music was hard style, like show tech, and I used to listen to that in like fucking eighth grade. So I got. I definitely had a hard. I wouldn't call it a hard style phase, but what 
I would say when I would kind of got into like the more commercial electronic music. Um, so this is like, I would say like right after the electro kind of stuff. Cause like, that's when like Avicii got really popular. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I used to listen to like the old Avicii stuff, like kind of before levels even, but even after that, uh, you know, this was like the, what people call the golden era of EDM of progressive house, which yeah. is like when you hear all those big songs, like, calling alesso and then levels right. and stuff but there was like a the hard style did get popular then um i remember Showtech. who's the bald guy uh i don't head, headhunters headhunters head, head yeah yeah because yeah. this was on my ipod mini so like there wasn't any like visual you yeah. know what i mean like it was like on my pink ipod mini and i'm blasting like i don't even remember i don't even remember the names of these songs but they were aggressive no 13 year old girl should be listening to hard style at seven in the morning on the bus it's funny. I feel like when you're back in that era, like before Spotify, it was really like what ended up on your whatever you had, like your iPod or iPhone, because like you couldn't like stream new music really. And like, you know, data and stuff like that. You know, people didn't have that much data. So like if you just had like one album on your thing and like that was, you know, you randomly, you know, bought that album or got it off LimeWire that was the thing that you would just listen over and over again. And like you get like, it's kind of like funny how like that has so much influence on you because it's kind of like a chance thing. So like I remember for me as a kid, like way before that, like even before iPod minis, like my first album, my cousin got me was like the Black Album by Jay-Z. And then the other one was like the Eminem show, which is like the one with like the red cover, like that classic Eminem album. And uh, I remember like those are like, I didn't really have that many CDs. So like you just, I would be in car rides and I would just listen to that like front to back and like know every single word. Right. Um, and it's like, it's so nostalgic. Like I could like listen to it now and like the, the lyrics would start to come back to me and stuff. Yeah. But it's so cool how it's just like whatever you kind of had at the time, like that, you know, leaves an impression on you. Totally. Because if you wanted new music, you're going to have to sit and like wait four hours for one song to download exactly. on, your, like on your Ethernet. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I want to pivot a little bit because one of the reasons I reached out is because I love what you post on Twitter. Cause you, you know, you, you show and, and the funny stuff. Yes. Okay. Definitely. I mean, I think like even before I followed you, your tweets came up on my feed every single day because of who I else I follow interacts with your posts and you're just like there, like you're, you're big time on Twitter, but I love what you talk about when you talk about what it's like to be an artist, make it to the top. You said something about having that afterglow after a major success. Maybe it's a record, maybe it's a show. And then kind of dealing with, you know, the come down from that and not letting that affect you mentally. And I think yeah. that's relatable to everybody, not just artists. So can you talk to me why, like about why you posted that and and just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um I appreciate the, also the compliment on the Twitter game. I think my Twitter game is like mediocre. Like there's some people that are so witty and, and good and funny. So I, I appreciate the praise, but I'm like, uh, I feel no. like I can improve a lot on my Twitter <laughs> game. But um, yeah, so to answer your question, that basically I wanted I wanted to kind of send that message out because I feel like it's something that's not really talked about, but um, you know, so many people have this dream of being a full-time kind of producer and DJ and like whatever goals that is, it's like, you know, it, it's kind of sold a lot in the way that people post about themselves on social media, the lifestyle of being a DJ, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I wanted to kind of like highlight the fact that, you know, the journey to do it and to get there um, 
it can be like really hard and discouraging. And even if you get like a big win, it's, you know, there's so much that goes into doing this that like that win isn't necessarily going to like push you. And, and, and my conclusion was kind of that like you need as like a, if you want to be like a, you know, an artist in this space, you need to kind of like love the process of being an artist and like the grind of like doing it rather than like going and looking at uh, the accomplishments and, and just like kind of getting your happiness from that. Um, and like, you know, I, I think for me, I could relate to this because I kind of quit my job in 2018 to do music full time. And, you know, I had some minor wins at the time of like, you know, other DJs playing my music out or, you know, I was like so obsessed with getting a, a song signed to Dirty Bird Records, which was like my favorite record label at the time. And I was like, okay, if I get a song on Dirty Bird, like I'm set because like that's my favorite record label. They're so hot right now. Um, you know, I'll start getting shows and I'll start getting, you know, festivals and all this stuff and I'll be part of the crew and blah, blah, blah. And it's easy to like kind of think that way. That's like, oh, I just need this like one accomplishment and it'll kind of like solve all my problems. Um, and like I got that record signed and I was, you know, so happy, blah, blah, blah. I got like a few show out of it. But eventually that kind of dwindles down and, you know, you're back to, okay, maybe I have like a little bit more, you know, a little bit more on the resume, but there's still so much work to do. And I've realized that like after, you know, I, I get to do this full time, I make a good living out of it. Um, I, you know, get to play all these shows and festivals. It's amazing. I've had Beatport number ones, all these accomplishments, blah, 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 blah. It's like it, that doesn't really matter because the speed at which everything moves is so fast and like that can kind of go away at any moment. And you have to really constantly like push yourself. And even the big guys, like the guys that are bigger than me, they feel the same way as well. It's mm -hmm. kind of like it's not I used to think it was like a small medium artist kind of thing where it's like, oh, when you're just coming up, you have these like growing pains. But it's really, you know, I realize that like the artists that you look up to that you think have everything sorted, like they're also, you know, they have anxiety and they want to, yeah. you know, keep innovating and stuff. So it's like you have to just love that process of, you know, always trying to kind of improve upon yourself. It's not really about comparing yourself to what others are doing. It's more of like, how can I be better than I was last month, last year? Um, right. So that's what the, that's kind of what like inspired that tweet. Cause I was like, I want people to realize that it's not always like, you know, easy for everyone. And I don't know. Yeah. I, despite I, what they may post or share, cause people just share their highlight reel. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and then the high and the highlights as much as they help and can get you somewhere, you know, I think it's so hard for people that like, it, it really was like people that like, let's say they still work like a full-time job and they're, you know, music is like their, their kind of like side thing at the moment, you know, getting, getting uh, an accomplishment that makes you think, okay, I can really do this full-time now. And even though the reality is, is like, maybe the money's not there, maybe the opportunities aren't there, but it's like that conflict where it's like, I'm getting this, but I don't know if it's, you know, I can totally go for this full time. I, I just felt really, you know, not feel badly, but I, I wanted those people to kind of like be heard a little bit because like yeah. I've been in that position. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's really what inspired it. And I think it's, it's kind of fucked up to say, but it's comforting in a way that you know that the big guys are feeling this way too. Like it's not something that ends, right? I mean, once you get to the proverbial top, you have to figure out how to stay up there. Yeah, it's it's really hard. It's, you know, keep, staying relevant is like, a, yeah, it, it can almost be more difficult because like you don't have momentum can be a really big thing. Um, mm -hmm. 
I'm actually like kind of happy. I'm like not an artist that like had like a really big hit that like like blew up, and that because I feel like then you have so much pressure to um, kind to of stay compete. there. Yeah to, yeah, to stay there or like do is like you know if you if, if your first kind of big song gets like half a billion streams or something crazy, you know the amount of pressure you have for the next song to kind of do well, and you start measuring everything against that. Um, it's just like yeah, that seems like you know mentally super hard. And like, I like what you said, it's like, it does kind of sound fucked up. And like, for me, when I see other artists not struggling in any way, but like when I see other people open up about, um, about something like this, it does make you feel better because you realize you're not alone. And that's why I think I'd like, I want to share that kind of stuff and be like honest and transparent because like you said, so much is like a highlight reel. And I feel like people nowadays, they want like realness and transparency and like that kind of gets rewarded, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it, so. it's super important. And I've always like, I've always had this philosophy in my space, which is, you know, I have a business, I do different things, but this is relevant to, to anybody and not everybody will agree with this, but it's like, okay, this is the top. I want to be like right here. Always, always. Yeah. Because then all the things you were saying, I don't have to top what I did before. Right. I don't have to compete with other people. I get to stay up here and, and coast and continue to produce, you know, put out good things for it's my clients or whatever, but not feel that pressure. And I think it's so alluring to, to have that like big win, like you said, you know, half a billion streams or whatever it is, but there's always a come down, always a come down. And, uh, being so accessible online can be a double-edged sword because people are brutal, Right. Like you put out a great, you can put out a great track and then people, you put out another one and people are like, oh, this isn't as good as whatever he's fallen off or like whatever it is. So it's yeah. a really uh, delicate ecosystem to, to be a part of, I think, when you are a public figure uh, and you really have to learn to protect your mental health so you don't, you know, so it doesn't affect you like that. Yeah. I, th- I think what you said is like, uh, it's really interesting. And I think like, Obviously, sometimes you can't control where you go, especially when you're just putting mm-hmm. things out. Um, right. You know, you something could blow up and, you know, you have to deal with it. I do mm-hmm. think that, like, life is interesting. Like you said, it applies to anything. But, you know, what comes up must come down. There's always, like, kind mm-hmm. of – I'm not really a spiritual person. But, I do, you know, I do believe in that, like, uh, positive-negative yin-yang balance yep. and stuff. So I think, you know, for the people that do achieve, like, great success, like, obviously there is, like, the – the growing pains of that but i do think that it makes you a more resilient like human because mm-hmm. you know how to like deal with something like you know people comparing you to your last release for example um or like you kind of just like figure it out like it's definitely like it's not fun and it's you know for me as well it's like there'll be periods where it's like oh you have a song that's super well your next release doesn't do that well you start to doubt things you start to you know think imposter syndrome maybe i just got lucky blah 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 um i feel like when you go through that enough and like you start to develop tools and and and, like healthy habits for dealing with it it kind of like makes you you know a better person and then you can share that wisdom with someone else and like that's a big thing for me is like you know sharing i I run like a production community called kick and bass and like a lot of it's about like sharing technical knowledge on producing music but a big part and what a lot we've realized with a lot of our community um, and our members really want is like that human connection of like, well, you know, I'm feeling insecure about this. And, you know, they want to hear about like producers stories and journeys and kind of how they dealt through that. So 
a big part of me is like realizing like, okay, I've kind of realized some things being an artist for my short period of time that I've done it, you know, five years or so kind of like as a full-time thing. I want to help other people so that they don't, you know, they can get to those conclusions a little bit quicker. Like that's That's really important for me. That's amazing because the technical stuff, it's great that they can learn it from you and other experienced people, but that is something that you can get pretty much anywhere. That support, that one-on-one, like mental health support really. And just, you know, assurance that, Hey, like we get it. We've been there. That's so invaluable to, to have that from someone like you, who's been through the journey organically. Um, and like you said, people value transparency and authenticity so much nowadays. And I think that that's what will take people like you even further because you're, because you're willing to be that resource for people. Not, not everybody's willing to do that. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a big idea. It's just like, you want to, you know, always give as opposed to like ask for things all the time. And I've realized that like by giving stuff, um, you actually get a lot more back. So it's kind of, it, yes. it all goes back to that it's, karma. It's, it's the universe. It's One, the universe. I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. Like you said, you're not spiritual. I don't, I'm not spiritual. I don't define it that way, but it is the yeah. universe because like you, the more you give, like the more you will receive. I think that's like almost indisputable, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's really amazing. So tell me, uh, before we wrap up, what is that community and where can people find it? Yeah. So it's called uh kick and bass and, uh, you can find all information about it on our website, www.kick-base.com. Um, it's a Discord community, so we have like different membership prices. Um, we're looking to launch like a, a new tier that's going to be very affordable for people. So if they want to kind of get access to the community, um, they can at a, a really affordable rate. But um, yeah, it's a monthly membership, and it's really aimed at creating like a community and a space for house music producers um, to learn from people that have actually, that are, you know, producers in the space. There's a lot of people on YouTube that, you know, have amazing technical knowledge, but we really, you know, pride ourselves on having artists that are, you know, constantly releasing on labels and touring um, that are very like on the in of what's going on in tech house kind of teach these tutorials. Uh, We offer feedback on people's tracks as well. Um, we do a lot of like group feedback sessions. We have guest coaches come in all the time. It's like an amazing community where it's kind of like you can get everything you need to be a producer because so much of music production is like isolating. You know, you're at home sitting on your computer, right. just trying to figure something out. And you're like, oh, I, I, should I be doing this or should I not? So, you know, you can open your discord quickly, ask a question. Someone will get back to you in like five minutes. Um, yeah, it's a really great community. Wow. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, it was so great talking to you. Thank yeah, you so much for fun. for being authentic and honest. And, and I know that the viewers will really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Olivia. I really appreciate it. I didn't anticipate our conversation to go so deep into the nostalgia, but I'm so glad it did because I talk about this all the time on my TikTok about connecting, reconnecting with your inner child and doing things, activities, whether it's fishing, crafting, karate, whatever it is to you that made you happy as a kid is so important to do and incorporate into your life in some regard as an adult because you're, when you were a kid, everything was new because you were little and you were curious about everything and finding, reconnecting with that curiosity is just so important for your mental health. You can forget about your adult responsibilities 
You can forget about the weight of the world, all the chaos that's going on around you, and just, you know, let that shit go. Like it reminds you to enjoy and relish in the little things and that life doesn't have to be so complicated because it wasn't when we were kids. So finding that, like that activity that brings you that can bring you an infinite amount of peace. So I don't care if it sounds silly. I don't care if it's embarrassing. That's my challenge for you this week is to find something that you like to do as a kid, incorporate it into your life somehow. It could be little. I mean, I bought $10 crafts on Amazon, whatever it is, do it and really like go all in on it, like full scent. Don't just be like, uh, maybe, you know, no, actually do it and see and like record how you feel afterwards and then do it again and again. And if you like these conversations, of course, subscribe on YouTube, follow us at Elevated Frequencies Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We will be having a lot more conversations like this. I hope you have a great week. Bye.